0: and then we'll get into it. So here we go. Turn your eyes upon turned on you thank you that uh, the things that we see the things of this world the things that we hear that that might be lobbied towards us or or spoken about us that those things um, aren't true the things that uh, we find in you Jesus are true that we are are loved we are cherished we are seen we are known we have a, a, a God a savior a friend in heaven who is interceding and praying for us right now Thank you that to the things that so often that we don't see, um, those are things that are eternal, things that will last, things that will go on and on and on and on. And so right now, in this moment, we choose, Jesus, to turn and to fix our eyes on you, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We just thank you that for the joy set before you, you endured the cross, you endured the shame, you went through ridicule and being beaten, all because of love for us. Thank you that you so loved us, Jesus, that you died for us. And our hope is firmly planted in you. Because you three days later rose from the dead and you're reigning forever and ever and ever. And we also thank you this morning for the gift of the Spirit. And we ask Holy Spirit uh, that you would lead and guide. That you would lead my thoughts. That you would lead this conversation this, this, uh, the next couple of minutes. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. You're invited here. And not only that, you're, you're here. We know that you're here. You're, you're leading and directing. And so we ask that you would reveal Jesus. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. And everyone said, yeah. amen. Oh, hey, uh, it's already been mentioned uh, last week. Uh, Mike Gruppen uh, shared, and uh, it was just so powerful. And so uh, let's just uh, thank Mike for what he shared last week. was uh, so, so powerful. You know, I, uh, maybe it was what he did, um, or maybe it was what he said. You know, but when he was actually doing those things, and and, and uh, he got to the carriage bolts, uh, the eighth-inch carrot bolts, um, <laughs> it's exactly like three, eights, right? Three that that carriage bolt, and he bent it on his leg. I'm like, okay, that's that's impressive. You know, I can't do that. I can bend a spoon, but um, I can't do that. And then he went to the the license plate and and ripped that like a piece of paper. And I was like, okay, that's Okay, that's good. That's, that's, that's impressive. But then it was really for me, it was that little, that little deck of cards, you know, 52 cards. And he ripped that. And it wasn't just the first time. It's like ripping it again. I'm like, okay, that is pretty impressive. I'm like, that's a pretty impressive. So, you know, he's a strong dude in uh, the physical and in the spiritual, because like, frankly, after he shared, I, um, and, and this is why I think those, these signs are so important. After he shared, I was so pumped up. I was so motivated to live this life of faith. And I was like, I want to run through a brick wall, you know, for Jesus. And, and I think that is like the purpose of that time. And other people have shared this, and I like this analogy, that really this time coming together, um, like it says in Hebrews 10, like don't forsake meeting together, come together, encourage one another. This time is, is a lot like a halftime speech at a, at a game. Um, if you're playing in the game, if you're on the team, um, maybe you've played sports, maybe you haven't, you go out in the first half, and you have a game plan, and you do some things, and, and there's some successes, but there's also some failures, and there's the, the times when the coach is like, hey, great job, and then there's times when the coach is like, hey, eh, you idiot, why'd you do that? Um, but then you come together in halftime, and the coach says, all right, here's a game plan, here's where we're going, I want to encourage you to keep doing this, stop doing this, and then he, said, he or she sends, you, sends them back out in the field. And you're like, all right, we can do this. You know, here's the second half, here we go. And I really think like a time like this is like that, where we get encouraged, where we get filled up, where we get maybe a drink of water or something and say, all right, we're going to keep going. Because I, I know uh, this about many of you here. We want to live this life of faith, we want to live our lives wholeheartedly for Jesus. But there are times when we get beat up and, and kicked and we, we stumble. And this is just a good reminder like the songs that we sang. Our hope is not in our own actions, our own uh, behavior. It's in the, the behavior and the actions of Jesus. And the, the cross is powerful enough to save us from any sin. And the grave is, is empty. And we have a, a, a Savior who is at the right hand of, of, of the Father right now. So we just need to be reminded of that. To, so that we can go out uh, when we're done here and live this life of faith. And I love the questions that, that Mike um, asked. Last week, and the things that he talked about, um, and just ask, answering those questions: What is faith? Why is faith important? Um, why is it so hard to, to to keep faith, to hold on to faith? And what can we do to increase our faith? And I love that, that conversation. And specifically last week, I really loved the focus on uh, like faith can transform a culture, and it only takes a few. You know, all throughout scripture, all throughout history, you just see just a a few people standing up and saying, you know what, we're not all going this direction, we're going to go this direction, and we're going to surrender to Jesus, and you've seen cultures completely transformed when just a few stand up uh, and and say, no, I'm going to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. And so this morning, we want to continue to talk about faith, want to continue to uh, think about what does it look like to live this life of faith, and really that's the question that I want to ask is, what does it look like to live this life of faith? And we have been going through the book of Hebrews And we're about Hebrews 11 right now And if you haven't jumped into the reading plan If you go to otherpeoplematter.org On some of the previous messages There's the the reading plan And and you can hop into that But we're in Hebrews 11 And it's a great place for you to hop in if you haven't yet Because there are stories of incredible faith In the Old Testament And there are passages that that reading plan Will refer you to so you can read about those stories Back in, in the Old Testament And so it's absolutely uh, powerful just to hop into the Word on a regular basis. And so this morning I want to talk about what does it look like to live this life of faith, to continue that conversation. And I want to do so by asking one question. And I want you to really think about this. What are you doing right now that makes you feel uncomfortable? What are you doing right now that makes you feel uncomfortable? I I think about our lives how everything, it seems, in life, and I'm not anti this, but how everything in our life seems to push us towards comfort. Mm-hmm. You know, the, an app that just came out probably in the last year maybe or so, or a couple years, Venmo. Mm-hmm. Like, how many of you guys have a Venmo account? I mean, that's like, people will just say, hey, Venmo me this money, Venmo me that money. I'm like, that makes life so simple, because you remember the day when you'd go out to eat with a group of friends and uh, the waiter or waitress couldn't split the bill and you'd have a bill of like $45 and, and you'd have five or six people that are sharing that and, and someone has a 20 and someone has a five and, and you're like, all right, we need to split this, uh, this meal up somehow and, and make sure that everybody pitches in their amount that they have to spend. And now with Venmo, it's like, all right, everybody shoot this person $6.75 or whatever it is. It makes life so easy and I realized this, Even last week, uh, every Sunday, Cece and I, we go grocery shopping. And uh, Cece will say, like, I hate grocery shopping. And it's just the thing that she just doesn't like to do, which is fine, and I'm not a big fan of it either, and so like, hey, let's do this together. And so every Sunday afternoon, uh, we've been hopping on Meijer's website, and you click through and you order things, (laughs) and then the next day you go and pick it up. Well, last Sunday night, we had to uh, go and, and get just a couple things that we couldn't wait to, uh, until Monday for. And she's like, oh, grocery shopping is so hard. I'm like, seriously? You are clicking a button. Here, you click it. I click I the button. Click she just tells me what to click. And then you pick it up the next day. Like, life is all about comfort. Life is all about, like, making us as comfortable the phones that we have make our lives comfortable. You can do so much from these things. And again, I'm not anti that. You know, they're, they're great tools. Like for those who are directionally challenged, you can you get anywhere now with your phone and just you know say, hey, navigate here. And it's a big blessing to our lives. But if we think about it, that can creep into our life following Jesus. And we can become way too comfortable following Jesus and just kind of coast and say, okay, we're all, we're all right. And that's why I want to pose that question to all of us this morning is, what are you doing right now that makes you feel uncomfortable? And specifically, I want to pick this apart just a little bit before we hop into a passage. What are you doing that makes you feel uncomfortable? So often we want to say, well, my wife, my husband, my friend, well, they need to be doing this. But all throughout scripture, Jesus is very adamant, very clear as he's interacting with people. He might ask a big question, who do people say I am? And people will say, well, some people say this and this about you, but then he narrows it down and he says, no, what about you? What about you? He is so focused on on you following him. Even towards the end of the gospel of John, in John 21, he says to Peter, Peter, this is what your life is going to look like. You're going to end up uh, losing your life for me. And Peter's like, whoa, what? No way. You know, and then he, Peter looks to John and he goes, what about John? Is he going to end up the same way? And Jesus looks at him and says, what is it to you? What is it to you about the, what happens to John? You follow me. And so really the question is, what are you doing right now that makes you feel uncomfortable? And uncomfortable is a key word there, too, because we are called to live this life of faith. We are called to step out constantly, and that requires us feeling uncomfortable. John Wimber, who uh, was a man who uh, kind of launched the the Vineyard Movement, uh, Vineyard Denomination, a group of churches uh, back in the 80s and 90s, he used to say this about faith. He would say, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Faith is spelled risk. And I think as we're talking about what does it mean, look like to, to live this life of faith, we have to include this because there are times when we are going to be risking all for Jesus. Not times, hopefully all aspects of our life that we are risking for Jesus. And that means we have to get uncomfortable. I think of Abraham when he was told, go to this land that I will show you. Leave everything behind and go to this land I will show you. That required risk, that required Abraham stepping out and saying, you know what, I'm going to do this. The Israelites, when they came across, when they were, um, after 40 years wandering around in the desert, they come up to the promised land and they have to enter the promised land. The only problem was there was this big raging river in front of them called the Jordan River at the height of flood season, raging in front of them and they had to cross that. And so God told them to step into this raging river and it'll stop and then they will cross on dry ground. I mean, that takes an element of faith, right? And risk, like to take that step into the water. It takes a a feeling uncomfortable. Okay, I don't know if this is going to really work, God, but I'm going to do this. And that is really the life of faith, feeling uncomfortable. And so where are you risking? What are you doing uh, to step out of your comfort zone? And the thing is, I want to be clear about this too, is everybody's comfort zone is different. What makes one person uncomfortable might make another person comfortable. And so really, we need to wrestle through like, okay, God, where are you challenging me and calling me to be uncomfortable? Years ago, I was speaking in front of a, a group of middle school students, and that is pretty comfortable for me. For some, it might terrorize you, like, hey, that that's, that's, freaks me out, but I was, I was speaking in front of a, a group of middle school students, and I invited uh, a buddy of mine who does think similar to Mike, uh, to come in and break some bricks and, and do some things to impress these middle school students and all of that stuff. And it was in the afternoon, and I'm like, okay, they might be a little tired, and so let's wake them up and, like, get their attention. And this guy came with uh, his, his crew, and um, he was, a, like, a 14-degree black belt or whatever. And, and he came, and he started breaking bricks and breaking boards and, and all of that stuff. And he got to the end, and I'm like, okay, this is sweet that, you know, they're awake and you know, ready for me to, to speak to them. And then he looks to the crowd, and he says this, who wants to see Dave break some bricks? And I'm like, no. This was not in the arrangements. And he goes, and he's getting the crowd like, going, and I'm like, there's no turning back. Like, and so he started to set out brick. He put one brick down and then he put some spacers and then he put another brick down and, and three bricks. And then he turned to me and the crowd was like, yeah, yeah, Dave can do it. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing, John? Like, There's no way I'm going to do this. And he whispers in my ear, he goes, go all the way through, all the way through, if you stop, you break wrists. And I'm like, John, seriously? He goes, all the way through, stop, break wrists. And I'm like, okay. And I should have turned to him and I should have made him uncomfortable. I'm like, you preach then. <laughs> but... You know, I was out of my comfort zone. I was pushed out of my comfort zone. I was comfortable enough talking in front of people but breaking bricks, that was not my comfort zone. And so I was stretched. And yeah, I did break them, That's you know, besides the point. But I did break the three bricks. But, but we are constantly, constantly told and challenged to do things that make us feel uncomfortable. And so what is making you feel uncomfortable? And, and everybody's comfort zone is different. Maybe for you, being uncomfortable is praying for somebody. You know, I know our prayer time can make people feel uncomfortable. I know, like, there was a day back in my life when I'm like, I don't, I I was uncomfortable going up and putting a hand on somebody and praying for them. But it took that one time of being uncomfortable and then another time and another time and another time to make me grow in comfort in doing that. Maybe for you, it's listening to a friend sitting and just, listening maybe you're a talker and and you you have no problem verbally processing but maybe God's asking you to be quiet and talk or listen maybe it's forgiving somebody I mean that's a huge thing maybe that is pushing you outside of your your comfort zone maybe it's um being vulnerable you know there's a lot that we love just to keep close to our chest and again I just appreciate the, the prayer requests that are shared like hey boom here it is But I know I look around this room and there's a lot of us that have to become a lot more vulnerable. Maybe that's what the Lord is wanting us to do to step outside of our our comfort zone. I mean, there's a, a ton of different things. I mean, you probably know what you need to do to step outside of your comfort zone. Maybe you've been thinking about adoption for a long time. And you're like, "Ah, you're thinking about it, thinking about it. And that's what God wants you to do. Step out of that comfort zone and actually obey and pursue that. The thing that I know about Jesus, he's constantly going to push us out of our comfort zone. I think of, of that for the disciples. The disciples are hanging out with Jesus. And he's preaching and he's teaching and he's, uh, see, he's praying for people and people are being healed. And then he looks to the disciples and he says, alright, now I'm going to send you out to do that. Two by two I'm going to send you out to do that. God does not want us to stay in this area of, of comfort. He wants to constantly push us out and live this life of faith, taking a step and following him. And the big thing though too, the last thing I'll share about this question, is what are you doing right now? See, a lot of people like to talk about things in the past. I mean, have you ever met somebody who just likes to bring up things from the past? Who likes to say like, you know what? Back in my day, I was an amazing basketball player. You know, I was all state <laughs> or whatever. Back in my day, you know, uh, I scored so many points and all this stuff and, and then you look at him and you say, yeah, but you're 45 years old right now. And that was 30 <laughs> years ago. And yes, that's a picture of me. By the way, high school guys, we did the short shorts once before. It wasn't cool then. It's not cool now. So I see <laughs> high schoolers wear shorter shorts. Just don't do it. But we look back in the past, and when it comes to faith, we look at... Get rid of that picture, Ellie. We, we look back, and we're like, even when it comes to Jesus... We're like, there was a time when I was sharing my faith. There was a time when I was walking in purity. There was a time when I was getting rid of things in my life and following Jesus fully. And we look back 20, 30 years ago, and I believe and I know that Jesus wants us to live with that same type of faith that we did back then. He wants us to live with that kind of faith today. And so really, what are you doing right now that makes you feel uncomfortable? What are you doing right now that makes you feel uncomfortable? Uncomfortable? Jesus wants us to take a step with him every single day, all throughout our lives. He doesn't want us to be just a short-term success, a one-hit wonder. He wants us to follow him every single day. And this all came up as I was reading in Hebrews chapter 10 a couple weeks ago. So turn to Hebrews chapter 10. And Hebrews is written to a group of people who had, had encountered Jesus, had given their lives to Jesus. Jesus. And there is this, all the way through the book of Hebrews, you see this back and forth, that, that, that some people are leaving the Christian faith and going back to their way of Judaism. They're leaving Jesus. And the writer's talking to the, the, this group of believers and saying, don't do that. Hold on to the hope that you have in Jesus. And in verse 32 of, of Hebrews 10, it says this. It says, but recall the former days, When you, after you were enlightened, after you came to Jesus, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. I mean, you see that picture there. Like these people, when they gave their life to Jesus, they were all in. They were giving everything and and they were being ripped off, they were being taken advantage of, but they had this feeling of, you know what? I don't really care because I have a better and a more abiding possession in Christ. Jesus is worth so much more than anything I have in this world. I am just giving all to him. And they're visiting people in prison. They're caring for people. I mean, this is a picture of people who are just absolutely going for it. And this is something that we can't just say, well, that used to happen. And so the writer is saying, you know what? This is what you used to do. This is what you did. And then it goes on in in verse 36. It says, now you need, you have need of endurance. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. I love this because he says, first of all, he says, you know what you need? You need endurance. This is how you started. This is how you began. You encountered Jesus, and and you gave your life to him wholeheartedly. You were giving up your possessions, your time, your everything, and you were doing it with a tremendous amount of joy. Don't give up on that. Keep going. You need endurance. And that's a word that, that none of us really like to hear. Because that means going in one direction for a very long time, single focus, saying, I'm, I'm so focused in this direction and I'm gonna keep doing it over and over and over again. It's staying constant. It's being focused. It's, it, it's starting something, yes, but also completing it and doing the right thing day in and day out. I mean, that's why you, you bring up recovery. 91 days is phenomenal. But what everyone needs in recovery and out of recovery is this endurance to make it 92, 93, 94, 20 years, 30 years. We need endurance. And I think about three months ago, today, we launched this, this thing, this church, Restoration Church. We were in that little room. And you know, when you start something, there can be a lot of passion, a lot of energy, and a lot of excitement. You know, launching something is refreshing and new. But frankly, the same energy by which you launch something is the lifestyle that you need to live into day in and day out. This endurance of, of daily following Jesus. This with the same passion and energy to say, you know what, I'm gonna do the, the, the same thing the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. Someone said this, Christianity is all about being consistent. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Because we have seen so many just come and go, come and go, and get you know, so much passion and energy and then they just kind of fade and that breaks my heart every time. Because in Hebrews 12, verse 1, it says this. Just flip over the page. The writer says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us run with endurance. Endurance. Constant focus. One day after the next, after the next. This week, on Thursday, I went for a run with Dan Pierbull. right up here. And I got to, we ran four and a half miles. And Dan shared his journey with me about running. And he said years ago, he got into running. Is that your phone, Jeremy? <laughs> <laughs> Funny. Dan talked about getting into, getting into running. And uh, years ago he didn't run, and then all of a sudden he just started to run. And he wanted to do a 5K. And he did a 5K, and then which is 3.1 miles. And then uh, someone said, well, why don't we do a half marathon? Why don't you train for a half marathon? And he said, oh, I don't know if I could go that far. And sure enough, he just put the, the miles in and uh, ran a half marathon. And then someone said like, well, why don't you do a marathon? He's like, I just did a half marathon, and just the thought of, like, doing that and then turning around and doing it again? No, I'm just not going to do that. But then, was it last fall? He completed a marathon. And then I'm running with Dan, and I'm talking with him, and uh, he's like, yeah, and I'm going to get into these endurance races, which, like, 50 miles. Like, sometimes people will run 100 miles. Like, these really (laughs) long, long distances. And as we were running and talking, uh, I was like, what's the key? What's the... the, um, like, the really the, the secret to, to running long distances. And both of us would agree, it's like, it's the mental game. It's having your mind focused, like your body will do much more uh, than you give it credit for. You have to engage the mind and just being focused. to like, okay, I'm just gonna take one step after the next, after the next, after the next. And as followers of Jesus, I think that has so many implications for our life. Because we don't wanna just run a couple miles. We want to run forever. We want to, to engage our minds and have our minds fixed on Jesus. Was a half marathon? Good question. 13.1 miles. Full marathon is 26.2. Which is almost like from here to Grand Rapids, I think. Something like that. So we need to have this endurance. We need to have this endurance that the writer of Hebrews talks about. But then here's what I love. Because the writer of Hebrews says, you need endurance. But then look at verse 39. Because he says, this is what you need. But then he speaks this powerful word of identity over them he says this, some are falling away, but he writes to them and he says, no, but you, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. And I look at that verse and I think of so many in this room because we can talk about those who kind of wander away. But I look at this room and I see a group of people who aren't shrinking back, a group of people who are living this life of faith day in and day out, a life of faith that is not just about talking, but a, a life of faith that is about action. Because that is actually what faith is. Faith, according to James 2, says, he goes, you know, some people say, show me faith and then I'll show you my works. But the writer of James says this, he goes, no, I will show you my faith by what I do. And in this world, talk is cheap. There are so many people that are saying, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. And I believe Jesus is looking at his church and saying, who are gonna be my people who live this life of faith and not just talk about it, but actually put it into action? Actually love, actually serve, actually care for people, actually pray for people, share the gospel. And I look at this community here, and this is exactly who we want to be. We want to be a people of faith that live this life of faith. And sometimes talk about it because we want to share encouraging testimonies, but a lot of times not talk about it. Because we're just going to have our heads down and continue to live our life of faith by loving and serving one another. And serving this world that desperately needs to see Jesus. And so I look at verse 39 and I say, you know what? This applies for my friends here in this room. We're not going to be ones who are destroyed or shrink back. No, we're going to be people who live this life of faith every single day. Eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. And what can we expect to see when we live this life of faith? Turn over to Hebrews 11 verse 32. What can we expect when we live this life of faith? After the writer of Hebrews gets through all of these examples, he says this in verse 32. He says, What more shall I say in talking about all these people? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, or David and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, and escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness. Became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. When you think about that, wow, that's quite a description. Living the life of faith, this is what they saw. And we would sit, stop there and be like, wow, that's a tremendous life of faith. But I love that the writers of Hebrews also includes this second part. Because this is very instructional for us as well. It says this, but some were tortured. Refusing to accept release. So that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with a the sword. They went about in skins of the sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. I mean, this life of faith, as we live it, there will be times when we will see tremendous highs, when we will see God do the miraculous. But there will also be times of lows when we're like, God, what is going on here? We're not seeing things happen. There's going to be times filled with tremendous success, but also suffering. You know, we can all share these stories of success. I have prayed for people. I have seen God heal people. I've prayed for someone's shoulder, and then all of a sudden the pain has gone away. I have seen God move in miraculous ways. I have seen people on the brink of death being brought back to life never seen the dead raised, but I've seen someone like was, was hours, minutes away from dying, and they're alive today. I have seen that. You have seen that. You have seen the miraculous. But we've also prayed. I've also prayed for people, and they pass away. I've also prayed and had faith, and then nothing seems to happen. You know, if you know what part of our story, we lost our, our first child. And we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and she still passed away. You know, many of you, you have a prayer list that that you're praying for and you're not seeing answers. You know, when it comes to this life of faith, there will be times when we will see the, the mountains move and amazing things happen. But we will also be like, God, why did this person pass away? And why is that? Why does that happen? And I would simply say this. We are living in this time right now where God's kingdom has come in Jesus and we see the kingdom come and move in powerful ways. But God's kingdom has not fully come yet. Because there will be a day when Jesus returns, when God will be with his people, and there will be no more tears. And no more, no more weeping, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more suffering. But we are in this time right now. Revelation 11 says the enemy roars around, like goes around looking for people to accuse. First Peter 5 says he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking people to devour. And so we were in between this time of like, you know what? Sometimes we see God move in powerful ways. Sometimes, I don't know, just things don't seem to happen. But what do we do as we live, as when we live in the midst of that is we do what the writer of Hebrews challenges people to do, is to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Because I think that is the absolute secret and the thing that I want to wrap up with today is where are you choosing to look? What are you choosing to look at? Because here's a secret all throughout the life of faith in Hebrews 11, it says in verse 10, Abraham, when he was going through what he was going through when he was following the Lord, says this, for he, Abraham, was looking forward to the city. In verse 16, it says those who were living by faith desired or were looking for a better country. Moses, when he looked at the, the riches of Egypt, Says that he considered the reproach of Christ a greater wealth than the treasure of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. And then in verse twelve it says, "Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the, pers- the, the author and the perfector of our faith." So, who or what are you looking at? Are your eyes fixed on Jesus? Firmly fixed on Jesus, saying, "Lord, renew me, refresh me." Throughout Scripture, people. And even in the midst of difficulty, that like, I'm choosing to fix my eyes on you. When it comes to living this life of faith and praying for people and, and, and doing things that make us feel uncomfortable, uh, there are times when you will pray and you'll see God move mountains. And there are times when you pray and you're like, God, doesn't, nothing seems to happen. But my encouragement to all of us is to keep praying, to keep seeking, to keep begging and asking God. Because I know in my life, when i prayed for no one to get healed i saw no one get healed yes. but now when i pray for people to get healed i see some get healed and i'm going to keep praying for people to get healed i'm going to keep sharing the gospel i'm going to keep doing things that the lord has asked me to do because i want to see more of this kingdom come and i want to be a person who lives by faith Hebrews 11:6 6 says without faith it is impossible to please god but I wonder. This isn't in Scripture, but I wonder: is the opposite true? If you change a couple words in there, it says, "Without faith, is it possible to please God?" Could it be true that with faith, it is impossible to displease God? And God is looking for a people of faith to step out of their comfort zone. You know what? There is going to be times when we make mistakes, times when we screw up. But I have to believe that we have a Father in heaven who's looking and saying, "You know what? Look at these guys. Look at these girls." They're just living by faith. They're stepping out. i so proud of them. And I look out at all of you. And I know that this is who we want to be. We want to be a people of faith because of what Jesus has done in our lives.